This is the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore. It's a pleasure to welcome the Reverend Walter Smith to the program. How are you doing, Reverend Smith? I'm doing just fine, Robert. Good to hear your voice. Well, good to hear your voice as well. I've been a follower of uh, Walter Smith's column called Reminiscing, a rail fan column, which is published in the Bulletin, the monthly publication of the Bridgeline Historical Society, the Bridgeline being what the old Delaware and Hudson Railroad used to call itself, and uh, that historical society particularly dedicated to uh, doing research and work on the old Delaware and Hudson, but in its pages, and there are many pages, and it's a great kind of uh, volunteer-produced newsletter that comes out monthly, Uh, there are all kinds of uh, stories about the about the rails. Uh, we did a previous uh, podcast with the uh, Jim Backors, the publisher of the Bulletin, uh, the monthly publication of the Bridgeline Historical Society. But let me turn it over to um, Walter Smith. Um, it's a question I actually started my episode, the interview I did with Jim Backors with. What can you describe or define? What is a rail fan? Well, I think a rail fan is a person who is just caught up in the uh, what used to be called the romance of the rails, who uh, appreciates uh, just about everything about railroading, uh, the equipment, um, the people who operate the railroads. Uh, and railroading somehow with a rail fan, I think, gets uh, entirely tied up with their with their whole life and almost every milestone in their life and and every significant uh, event in their lives somehow gets wound up in railroading. And I know Mm -hmm. that it's that way in mine. Uh, Mm -hmm. When I remember vacations and holidays and that kind of thing, very frequently some rail experience will come to mind along with it. Mm -hmm. Um, There are uh, rail fans who are just interested in prototype railroading, and there are some who are just historians and there are some who are avid model railroaders, and I guess I have a little bit uh, of all three of those in me. Mm. And also, did you come from a railroad family? I did. My my father uh, went to work at age 15 on the Grand Trunk in Portland, Maine. This was around the turn of the century, and uh, uh, that is the 19th into the 20th century. <laughs> Right. And he went from there to the Maine Central to the B&M and finally had a long career uh, with the Boston and Albany New York Central, although uh, he never appreciated the New York Central. He thought they had stolen his railroad, and uh, he didn't like them very much. But he worked uh, as a clerk first, then as a gate tender during the Depression when that was the only work he could get. And then later on, he was a uh, station agent uh, riding the spare board, filling in for people. And he did this for 17 years, and he only had three days when he didn't work. Uh, the, the rest of the time, he had a job uh, filling in at one station or another all the way down the line. Hmm. Now, when you were growing up, did he say, Walter, I hope you can follow in my footsteps? Or did he say, Walter, do anything you want, but don't become a railroad man. Well, no, he didn't say that. My mother did. And <laughs> I, I, I think that was one reason why uh, uh, probably I'd, I never uh, seriously considered uh, being a railroad 
person that is a professional railroader. Uh, but uh, he was obviously so taken and enthralled with railroading himself that it rubbed off on me. And I have two brothers who uh, also share this passion to one degree or another. Uh, and uh, it was just, I think, that he loved it so much and spoke of it so often that it just became, oh, part of the, the whole fabric of our lives. Mm. Well, again, you go full bore into this. I've, I've seen some of your columns. One that just popped into my head is you visited that place. I believe it's in Georgia where all kinds of trains go through. It's, it's like uh, going to, uh, I hate to use a religious example, but it's like going to Rome or Lourdes or someplace for uh, people, people. You see all these trains go by and you count the cars and you count the kinds of cars and so on and so forth. Folkestone, Georgia which is yep. only three miles above the Florida state line. And there, uh, lines converge from the Midwest and from the Northeast. And for 22 miles, everything that's going into Florida runs through that town. Um, and uh, south until it comes to a place called Callahan, where they again split. But uh, it's a fascinating place, and... and uh, I've gone there whenever I had a chance uh, because of illness in the family. I haven't been there for the last couple of years. But uh, prior to that, uh, Folkestone was always one of my winter destinations. Mm. Now, maybe a little bit more about your life. Uh, grew up and uh, you became a, a minister or a pastor. Um, I mean, or, or did you follow other pursuits before you did that? Well, um, I've I've been a pastor uh, most of my life, uh, I had my first church when I was still a seminary student, uh, and I was only 22 years old. Um, and, uh, for a while I tried school teaching, although when I taught, I also had a small church usually on the side. Um, but, uh, approaching age 40, I decided that I, what I really wanted to do was to be a pastor. And, mm -hmm. uh, since then, I have uh, pastored churches uh, up here, and then for 15 years, I was in Saugus, Massachusetts, just outside Boston. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and go ahead. what denomination are, are you? Congregational, um, which is, uh, of course, big in New England, not so big in the state of New York. Um, and uh, I've, but I've served. Uh, Actually, the, the so-called mainline churches, the more traditional ones, they're so similar now, except for their history and the way they conduct business. In their belief, they're so similar that you can serve a church of another denomination and hardly know that you've made the change. Uh, the last couple of years, before I retired uh, this past August, um, I was serving a Methodist church as well as a congregational church. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've also served a Baptist congregation. Um, so you can, uh, uh, in the ministry now, uh, you can you can pretty much serve in a lot of locations and not really be ill at ease. Now, in terms of being a rail fan and being a, a pastor, I mean, are they 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 separate, completely separate, or do you ever do sermons about trains? Well. Uh, 
all of my churches, particularly in recent years, the people have been very aware that I'm oriented toward railroads. And I've gotten all kinds of railroad gifts, uh, paperweights and calendars and sometimes uh, model railroading equipment. And uh, I think mostly people have been amused by it. Uh, there may have been people who resented it or thought that uh, maybe I was too interested in it. But I think mostly people have been sympathetic to it. And uh, uh, in fact, uh, I've brought a few uh, rail fans into the church who are friends of mine. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, I never I never felt that it interfered with my ministry. And uh, uh, when... Uh, when duty called, uh, I was always able to put the trains to one side and do my duty. Oh, yes. You know, I, I'll vouch for that, you know, having read the column. I mean, you you put the railroad uh, watching, let's say, into a, a certain compartment. I mean, you've got to do your sermons and visit the sick and uh, perform funerals and things of that nature. But if, you know, if there happens to be a train there, well, all the better. My uh, my son-in-law uh, has a brother who's a Baptist pastor, and for a while he served at Gibbon Junction, Nebraska, which is where all of the trains come out of North Platte and they split, and some go toward Lincoln and some go in a different direction. And he was in a town where there are like 130 trains a day, and I often uh, envied him and thought, boy, wouldn't that be great to live there, and we have visited there, but... Then again, I think, nah, that would be too distracting. It's just as well that I'm not there. Yeah. How now? You mentioned your, I think, son-in-law. I mean, how is your wife and your your children? Are, are they interested in trains too, or that's just your hobby? Well, um, my wife is very tolerant and understanding, and uh, my children uh, are a little bit bemused by it, but they don't really have any interest in it. Um, that uh, I have a big model railroad here, and I've told my son-in-law that uh, uh, when I pass on, he should just simply contact a dealer and sell it because uh, there's nobody in the family that's really interested in it. Uh, yeah, isn't that in that is interesting, though? I've, I've known other rail fans. Man, I'm sort of a minor league rail fan, but a good friend of mine who used to be my neighbor, he always said, oh, the young ones, they never, they never follow, you know, they're never interested in what you're interested in. Well, uh, I have found that my grandchildren occasionally will go with me if I go train watching. Uh, a couple of times, uh, one of my grandchildren had a nice cab ride uh, on, a, on a train because I knew the engineer and we both had a ride. Mostly, they are not enthusiastic about it. They've gone to other, other interests like hot cars and motorcycles and snowboarding and that kind of thing. And that's okay every, to each his own. Sure. I, I'm not disappointed, but it... it uh, doesn't take it away at all from my interest in it, which I'm sure will last until I depart this, this earth. And you've been living for some time. Uh, you were telling me you're outside Ogdensburg, about 12 miles. You overlook the St. Lawrence River into Canada. Uh, and I do note that some of your columns about, because uh, you, sometimes you reminisce and bring up s stories from long ago in your in your life, but sometimes you talk about what you're doing now or in the past few years, you uh, go up to the uh, into Canada quite a bit to take a look at Canadian 
railways. Do you like Canadian better than American or vice versa? Well, when I was in theological seminary, my uh, main interests were the main central and the Bangor and Aroostook. Although at that time, the Canadian Pacific line across Maine was also very active. And I came to really appreciate the Canadian Pacific. And in 1971, I rode across Canada on the Canadian from Montreal to Vancouver and came back on the supercontinental on the CN route. A wonderful trip. Um, love to do it again. Of course, can't do it now. <laughs> Not that way anyway. I, I just have always appreciated trains in, in all of their manifestations and I've often said that, uh, just kind of funny, that when I was a kid, I was courting girls and had girlfriends and so on. Uh, I wonder if they realized why they always ended up parked by the tracks. <laughs> okay. We're talking with uh, Reverend Walter Smith. He writes the column Reminiscing uh, about his uh, life as a rail fan. Uh, the column appears in The Bulletin, the monthly publication of the Bridgeline historical society you can uh, find them online we'll be back with the reverend smith in just a moment the 2017 fund drive is now underway to support the historians podcast your donation at gofundme.com forward slash historians 2017 helps cover technical costs and other production expenses if you want to donate by mail instead of online make a check out to me bob cudmore Send the check to Bob Cudmore, 125 Horseman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. That's 125 Horseman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. Reverend Walter Smith joins us. We're discussing his uh, love of trains and his uh, column, which he writes for, for the Bulletin, the monthly publication of the Ridgeline Historical Society. You've done a lot of uh, well, train watching in Canada, uh, upstate New York, really all over the country. But uh, it seems you frequently will, will delve back to your days in New England. Um, uh, I don't know, for some reason, Vermont comes to my mind. That is it so that you have a special interest in some of the railroads that used to be in Vermont? Well, uh, for a while we lived in Ackworth, New Hampshire, which is extreme western New Hampshire, uh, very close to Bellows Falls, Vermont, and also uh, very close to White River Junction. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my train watching in those days was in that area. And uh, uh, at that time, the trains up there were many, much more plentiful than they are now, uh, although uh, there seems to be a comeback of sorts uh, in some of those places. Uh, yeah, and I, I went to seminary in Maine at Bangor, and uh, uh, I went to the University of Maine at Orono and graduated from there, and uh, got very interested in the railroads around Bangor and also, as I said before, on the Canadian Pacific International of Maine Division. Mm-hmm. Uh, for what? a while, about the only uh, railroading in, in northern New England was the uh, CP train the Atlantic Limited, which ran from Montreal to St. John. And I rode on that, uh, oh, a half dozen times uh, just because I wanted a train ride, and that was the handiest. Mm-hmm. You And you have taken and written about uh, rides on 
kind of reminds me a bit of the Arlo, I guess he didn't write it, but he sang it, Arlo Guthrie's song, The City of New Orleans, you know, when uh, you, you, you wrote a lot of trains that disappeared. Yes. Um, of course, when I was young, uh, my dad had a pass that uh, covered the whole family. And we could ride free on uh, the New York Central trains. And I think probably until I was maybe 15 or 16, I had ridden many more miles by train than, than in a car. Uh, we didn't even always have a car uh, back in those very poor, tight days. And, uh, uh, yeah, I have, uh, I've ridden some that disappeared and also some that uh, thankfully came back, like the, uh, the service in Vermont, uh, the Amtrak service. Now the the down easters in Maine, um, I just uh, have been really pleased to see that happen. And the down easter, especially, I guess, is a is a great success in terms of the number of people it's attracted. It's a natural route anyway, because uh, Boston to Portland is almost like commuter rail distance, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's great to see it back again. Well, let me ask you. I was going to ask you at some point. I mean, uh, railroads declined but railroads have kind of had a resurgence but if, as with anything it's it's not like it was it's somewhat it's uh, somewhat different uh, how do you think they're doing these days it, it it's pretty obvious to me speaking in a historical sense that the railroads were scandalously overbuilt and it was i suppose inevitable that when another form of transportation came along like trucking that uh the ones that were weak and were just basically retail, like spotting a car at a grain store and delivering a crate of eggs to a a rural station, that those services would disappear. Wholesale railroading, that is like uh, running unit trains and uh, uh, moving great shipments in huge bulks. I think the railroads have done pretty well coming back, and I think they're here to stay, at least in uh, in the foreseeable future. Mm. Um, I've been impressed. Uh, one of my uh, sources of uh, railroad information on what's going on right now is through Facebook. Uh, and there are some young rail fans who live in northeastern Massachusetts who are taking a lot of pictures along Pan Am, the downeaster route, near the New Hampshire-Massachusetts state line. And I'm impressed with the uh, uh, the fact that Pan Am, which I thought was going to die, it was so weak, has uh, bounced right back, and uh, they're running a lot of trains, and uh, uh, it seems to be a quite different outfit than it was 20 years ago. What I find interesting in the column frequently is this notion that you're on a on a quest. You know, it's some something like you're a hunter <laughs> in a way that you're out to find the the train, or you, you want to see a train or more than one train and you're, you're chasing it in your car and you move here and you move there. And then you, you hear the whistle or you hear the horn and it's, and it's, and it's coming. Uh, is, is that one of the things you enjoy about this? Oh, absolutely. Uh, this is, uh, uh, I think this is kind of like a fisherman waiting for the fish to bite the, the hunter who's out with his rifle looking for a deer and finds one. And, uh, once you get used to the patterns of railroading, uh, it's not quite a shot in the dark. Uh, there was a time when uh, 
if you wanted to see a train, you were either very lucky or you just went out by the track and waited for hours for one to come by. But once you know the patterns, uh, you can eliminate some of that dead time. And uh, uh, like up here, I pretty much know what CSX is doing and when things are going to show up. Um, and over in Canada, uh, at Brockville especially, which is Canadian National and Vireal Canada, there's so much traffic that you're bound to see something. Uh, as I guess is true down on the uh, old New York Central water level route, uh, uh, friends of mine who live in the capital area tell me that all they have to do is uh, run out to Amsterdam some night and they can see a half dozen trains in just a couple of hours. Well, you bring up my hometown, and I was going to bring that topic up because and I write frequently about Amsterdam and its history, and uh, yeah, it, it's on the main line, and it's right there. I mean, and they got this great platform. I don't know if you've been there. They, they, they built for a, a river park, which you access through a bridge that goes over the highway and the railroad tracks, so they've, it's like a platform built for rail fans. I have not been there, although uh, I have watched trains from the Amtrak uh, platform, which uh, is a little bit west, maybe a mile west of the of the town center. Mm -hmm. uh, and but uh, friends of mine who live in that area have spoken of that park you're you're speaking of, and uh, are enjoying it thoroughly. And some one of these days, uh, I hope to get down there and uh, and join them and and do some watching there. Yeah. Well, I do quite a lot because I, I go to Amsterdam frequently from my home, which is east of Amsterdam in uh, the Schenectady area. And when uh, Audrey uh, and I go up, you know, we're always looking for a train and we frequently see one. And, we're, and I don't know if it's bad or good, but when it's one of the oil trains, which we've seen more and more frequently, there's something about them that seems a little creepy, you know, because they've had some, you know, troubles. But, you know, we would see those trains. Uh, you know, huge number of oil cars, not as many as, uh, as you know, in the past few years. But then, then of course, you see the other, there's more mixed trains. Yeah, I was up in uh, uh, Merrickville, uh, Ontario, and uh, as I was coming home, I stopped at an overlook and uh, was suddenly realized that I was getting a train eastbound and it was an oil train. And it does give you a kind of a creepy feeling when you think of Lac Megantique and what happened there. And uh, uh, that's an awful lot of, of uh, in a way, rolling bombs going by you. And, Amen. Uh, uh, but it's impressive. Oh, my, what a train that was. Mm. Uh, well, also, I always figure, maybe this isn't completely true, that if it's an eastbound train, they're probably carrying oil. But the westbound trains are probably empty. Yeah, I think that well, that's that's true. Uh, yeah, a lot of them going back to the Bakken oil fields or to oil fields in Canada. Um, the the flow is definitely eastbound. But I also enjoy it. You always what what is it you really focus on? It's, it seems like you, in a way, uh, remember that movie some years back called Train Spotting. Do you, you count the cars of the train? Do you? note what the engine is and why they're you think why they're using it and that sort of thing yeah all of those things uh, play a part what's the cargo how much of it is there um the uh the power and the way it's used um 
And, of course, there are always varieties of power. Like when I was going to Folkestone, Georgia, um, CSX seemed to be leasing a lot of locomotives from other railroads or from uh, locomotive leasers, and that was always interesting. But I also am very interested in the human side of this and uh, the way that railroads relate to people and the way that people respond to them. Uh, I'm... uh, uh, I'm not really very mechanical, uh, and uh, uh, I have only hazy notions of how all of this works. <laughs> but uh, uh, the human side of it I've always found interesting. And uh, I've met a lot of interesting people in the process of uh, of following this hobby. You mean people that are also watching the trains or, or people who work for the railroads? Well, both, and then just uh, the response of ordinary uh, uh, of ordinary people to railroading. Uh, one time we had some uh, some kids here who had gone on a mission to Russia, uh, actually Belarus, uh, and they brought back a uh, a young woman who lived in Belarus who was going to spend the summer with them. Well, they came over here to visit, and uh, they told her in the uh, course of the conversation that I was interested in trains, and she thought that made me certifiably insane. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> but, People uh, uh, people do respond in different ways. Um, well, they, they do. Yeah. Uh, well, in fact, I remember a line from one of your columns, I think, I can't remember the quote, but something your wife said, oh, we heard a train whistle, and that was that. We yeah. ran out the door or something like that. <laughs> yeah, right. um, yeah um, in fact, one of my recent columns, uh, I was talking about a reception in a church that I had just been called to, and a train went by, and I went out the door to watch it. <laughs> right. Uh, later on, she said, you know, that was a strange thing to do. <laughs> but, <laughs> yes. but I noticed but that half the men in the room followed me, so they were interested, too. Well, I was going to make that bring that up. Yeah, you said that a lot of the men followed. Is it mainly a, a man thing? Well, yes, but uh, surprisingly, there are more and more women who seem to be attracted by it. Um. And uh, uh, riding trains, I've met a number of women who just were riding because they liked to. And uh, mm-hmm. they found it, uh, I, I find riding trains to be a, a totally relaxing, stress-reducing exercise. Uh, the last time I rode on the Vermonter, I rode from uh, Brattleboro, Vermont, up to St. Albans. And I was so mesmerized and uh relaxed. I was only like 20 steps from the snack bar and I never even got up and got a cup of coffee. It was just too much fun sitting there looking out the window and watching Vermont go by. Uh just a great relaxing experience. Uh, I'd like to I'd like to go tomorrow if I had a chance. <laughs> well, Reverend Walter Smith, I thank you very much uh, for joining us on the podcast. Hope you have a good day. Well, thank you, Bob, and uh I uh, I appreciate the opportunity and uh, um, I will uh, I will look this up online. Okay, uh, Reverend uh, Smith is author of the column "Reminiscing," a rail fan column in the Bulletin, the monthly publication of the Bridgeline Historical Society. You've been listening to the Historians Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore.